You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number 11 of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today. If you haven't already, we would so appreciate your support in leaving a review of our show on iTunes. These help other people find the Million Praying Moms podcast, and really, it just encourages us to keep going as well. So click review and select ratings and reviews, and then write a review, and let us know what you love about the podcast. Thanks in advance for doing that. We love your reviews, guys. They are so encouraging to us. You know, we sit behind these these microphones and these computers, and we can't see you when we're talking to you this way. So this is your way of being able to tell us how we're doing, and we love your feedback. So you might just hear us, if you decide to leave one, read it out loud here on the podcast. So take just a few minutes to go take care of that right away, and then listen for us to read your review on air. Yeah, you never know when you might be featured, right? So before we jump into today's interview, we wanted to make sure you know about the fun community we're building on Instagram. I know you're a huge Instagram fan. (laughs) We are, this is very exciting, guys. We are very quickly approaching the 10,000 strong mark on the Million Praying Moms IG account. And we're going to be doing a fun giveaway when we reach that number to celebrate. So if you're not already following us on IG, you can just do a quick search of at Million Praying Moms, or you can follow the link in our show notes for this episode at millionprayingmoms.com. Erin, I know you're busting to tell us what are some of the things you personally love about Instagram? Um, let me count the ways. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Instagram, yeah, it's not it's not a secret that Instagram is my favorite by far. And it started really because of the visual medium. I am a visual person. I do the design work um, for Million Praying Moms. Yes, I love doing photography. I just, photography and visual, that's what captures my heart. And um, it captures memories for me. Uh, and that's how I prefer to interact. And so that's what drew me to Instagram in the first place. I love seeing families, what they're doing. I love seeing smiling faces of my friends and I love seeing creative things on there and beautiful places. So Instagram really drew me in because of those things. But then I stayed because I have found a lot of really positive communities there. For instance, uh, I'm a runner and the running community is strong on Instagram. And it's a whole bunch of people that you've never met in person that are cheering you on whenever you have a race, whenever you're injured, whenever you um, had a hard workout, they're there to pick you up. And then you end up meeting in real life at races too. So it's been really fun to see that kind of positive community. And I know that every social media platform has its downfalls, but I've really found Instagram to be one of the most positive and uplifting for me. And that's why that's where I spend most of my time. And I just enjoy, I enjoy the community and what's happening there. I think that's one of the things I love most about it as well, Erin, is that these little communities of like-minded people just pop up and they can be so encouraging and it, it really helps you to feel like you're seen and known and that other people are like you and share similar interests. And, and, you know, sometimes we live in parts of the world where, you know, for us, we live in a rural area and it can be hard to find other people that share some of the same interests that I do, but there are people out there. So we're trying to kind of take that same concept and build it at the Million Praying Moms IG because we want to fill the internet with like-minded praying moms. If you're not there, 
go get there right now at Million Praying Moms. I would say one of my favorite things, and I know I've shared this before, but I think it's worth sharing again. One of my favorite ways to use our personal IG account is to pull up the prayer of the day while I'm driving my kids to school. I pray, I read them the verse. Yes, before we pull out of the driveway, I read them the verse. Safety (laughs) first. Safety first. (laughs) And then I help them apply it to their lives as we're driving to school. So if that particular verse is confusing to them or if they haven't heard it before or like uh, over the last few months, we've been going through the book of Daniel. So I've been filling in gaps and helping them, you know, understand and see the verse from the big picture of Daniel. We go over that verse on the way to school and then I pray that verse over them as they're literally getting out of the car so that the last thing that they are hearing when they leave my presence for the day is mom's voice praying God's word over them. And I just think that's super special and I love it that we can do that. Yes. This can have a powerful impact on your child's day and you can have access to those prayers and pull them up before you leave the driveway and, and read them to your kids um, by finding million praying moms on Instagram and join us in the fun things that are involved in building a community. We're, we're sharing prayer requests. We're um, talking about what we're praying over our kids. We're um, just joining together as God instructed us, you know, where two or three are gathered in, his name, which can be on the internet too. So <laughs> good. Just search at million praying moms and follow us there. And as Brooke mentioned, when we get to 10,000, which it's really close, we'll be doing a fun giveaway and we don't want you to miss out. All right. So enough about all that party stuff. Erin, today's podcast topic is a little bit out of the box, literally. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We're talking with author Connie Albers about her new book, Parenting Beyond the Rules, Raising Teens with Confidence and Joy. Seems right up our alley, doesn't it, Brooke? Yes. (laughs) I have a new teenager in my house, and Brooke, you have one in your house and another one knocking down that door. Yeah, I think maybe the better word right there is beating down the door. (laughs) That's, That's the dynamic in our home right now. We're living through some of the struggles that the rest of you are when you're raising teenagers. And I will say, you know, we have those struggles, but we also have some of the great things about this season of a, of, a, of a child's life. So when I read the title of Connie's book, I knew that it was for me and I knew that, that you know, we were going to want to share it with you guys as well. We've always encouraged our readers and listeners to be students of their children, meaning there's no one size fits all approach to parenting. There's really no equation for parenting success. I love the idea of parenting beyond the rules, both from from two different perspectives. One, that when our children start to pull away from us, it is our natural tendency to want to pull back. And the, the teenage years are a time of natural pulling away from us. They should be doing that on some level. So I want to begin to think in my own home beyond the rules, but I also like to think of that as parenting beyond the rules that our society, maybe even the church, has been telling us are the right things for parenting that may have nothing to do with what God's word says about parenting. Yeah, so Connie Albers has spent 25 years parenting her five children and 20 years working specifically with teens. She is a popular speaker and writer and actually one of our Pray the Word Journal devotional writers and a favorite on the Million Praying Moms blog. And she inspires moms with practical wisdom we can use in everyday life. Connie, welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself and your family. Hi, Erin and Brooke. I am delighted to be with you, ladies. Oh, my word. Y'all are doing some fantastic things for women, for Christian women, just calling them to the Lord and redirecting their heart to their families. I love it. Um, So I am a mama of five. They are all adults now. And uh, when we are trying to figure out this whole, how long have you been, you know, how are you parenting? It's really funny the questions that we got with that, because there is a point at which your parenting shifts and pivots. Um, in every season of their life, from the baby to the toddler to the tween, the teen, and now mine are all adult children. So parenting is very, very different, but I'm still actively involved, if that makes sense. But they, we had five kids in seven years. Uh, it was busy for a long time, and three are now uh, married, 
all of them uh, went on to college and graduated from the same alma mater. And so we're in a new season that is absolutely delightful. It is, it is all that I wanted it to be and everything that I asked the Lord for, even the hard times that came, Aaron, grew and stretched Tom and I in a way that uh, we could have never, we would have never asked for. But God used that. He used those hard times in the teen years to um, solidify our relationship. And that's what led to writing the book, Parenting Beyond the Rules. Because, you know, we're great at having rules, limits, and boundaries. It's, it's what keeps our society functioning. It's what keeps our home from being in utter chaos. It, it's it's the, the things that um, helps us keep order in our home. And God is a God of order and a God of decency. But what I saw happening is we, mom and dad, you know, we establish these rules and we put the limits and we put the boundaries, but somehow we get so married to them. We, we don't even pivot or adjust when our children are desiring uh, for freedom that has that isn't a wrong or a bad thing. And so I wanted parents to realize I'm not advocating no rules or limits or boundaries. Our teens need them, especially in matters of safety and um, <clears throat> safety and following the law. But I, I want parents to embrace and have the freedom to say, you know, I made this curfew time at 10 a.m. I think I can adjust it. It can be 1030 and it's going to be okay. Uh, so that's kind of the approach with all of this. Your children are a masterpiece. They're a masterpiece in the making. God is the architect and he is form and fashioning that child. And it's up to us, mom and dad, to do exactly what you ladies are calling um, mamas to do. And that's seek the Lord. He's got the blueprints. He knows what he has for that child. And he's given you the paintbrushes and the tools and the resources to be able to help shape, form and craft them into the person God's made them to be. I love that so much. So, Connie, your book really focuses a lot on the teenage years, and I know there's some of our listeners who are not there yet. Um, they're, you know, maybe at the very beginning of parenthood. They are, you know, in what we like to call the tween years. They're looking forward to that time, and we also have those of us who are right smack in the middle of that time, so we have an array of people, but everybody's going to get there at some point, point. and I, I remember as I was preparing for this, I was thinking back to when my children were very young. And, and honestly, even before I had children, when I was studying child development and family therapy in graduate school, I was constantly hearing our culture say that the teenage years are to be dreaded, that they are terrible, that we need to just accept that our children are going to somehow turn into green-eyed monsters for a season. And just, you know, that's the way it's going to be. It's, it's almost like the world today is promising us failure in this area. And I want to know what you think about that current message out there about raising teens, even the one that we're hearing inside of the church. Yes, I know. That is so true, isn't it? And it's very sad and disheartening because my book is really a book of celebrating the teen years. I, I, it's not for the mom who's dreading them. I mean, we are afraid because there are some serious unknowns, some real consequences some things that our, our sweet, precious little ones can find themselves in um, and can get themselves in quite tr the trouble. But when I was like you, I wanted to know what was going to come next. You know, I just, that's the way I parented. It's the way I live life. Just tell me what's coming next. And then I can either start praying for it or preparing for it. Um, and maybe that's because I live in Florida and we have hurricanes. So we're always, you know, preparing for the thing. Yes. But, the world's message um, strikes an incredible uh, amount of undue fear in our hearts. And that's why in the book, I have a whole chapter on starving the fear. God had not given us these children to be afraid of parenting them. We can celebrate these years. And that's the message that I want parents to realize. Parenting teens is more of a challenge. I'm not going to lie. And that challenge is just because your child is leaving the childhood years they're leaving childishness behind and they're moving into adult life and adult life can be messy and trying to get from childness and the antics that children do into a responsible god-fearing god-loving adult there's a lot of twists and turns and thrashing around that kids do on that journey to becoming the person God has engineered them to be. And that is, you know, so the message is, 
I understand the world saying, hey, these are some tough years because yes, rules minus relationship equal rebellion. And you have a teenager that is in rebellion and you're going to have a very challenging um, journey ahead of you to restore or repair or mend or hold on to um, fragments of relationships and, and the foundation that you have formed when the kids were little. Um, so I say we always have to starve the fear. We have to name the fear. Where is it coming from? And Brooke, like you said, the fear is coming through society. The fear is coming through even our churches. Um, name it. Talk about where it's coming from. Give it to the Lord. And then continue on in your parenting. And every time you start to be afraid, I'm ruining my child. My child's going to reject me. My child isn't going to, to do what I say. My child's going to rebel every single time. The enemy hits you with that fear. You have got to take control of that fear. It's just an emotion. And that emotion does not have to take, um, put you in a ball and chain. That, that emotion doesn't make you slave to it. It just means it's something that you're going to have to deal with as a parent. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I, I can relate as, you know, my oldest son went to high school. We start high school here in the eighth grade. And uh, he, so he went to high school this year and I battled fear his first year in high school, like I probably never have as a parent. I mean, there were so many days that I would drop him off at school and then come home and literally be on my face before the Lord asking him to protect him and take care of him and lead him. And I realized about halfway through the school year that I was not enjoying it at all. Not mm. at all. I was living in a place of fear. And it was around that time that the Lord just dropped Lamentations 3, 31 through 33 in my lap. And it basically says that God is going to have compassion on us because of the abundance of his steadfast love. So I started thinking about that and I began praying, Lord, would you have compassion on my children? Not because of anything they've done to deserve it, but just because it's your nature to do that. It's out of the abundance of your steadfast love. And when I began to look at it that way, it really changed my fear. So as I'm hearing you talk about name the fear, tell yourself the truth, and then live in the truth, that is really what I, that's the place that the Lord has had me in this year. Naming the fear, speaking that truth over it, what I know to be true about God, what I know to be true about the way he acts toward his people, and then just choosing to live in that truth. And we've been Absolutely. camped out. In, we've been camped out in Psalms this summer, and uh, I can relate to this very strongly. I feel like I have a teen and a tween, and I feel like I've been living in fear of the world's attacks on them that I don't have any control over. And in the Psalms, we've been focusing on the Lord as our shield, as our stronghold, as our refuge. And while I was out on my run yesterday, I felt like God was just telling me that I can't protect them from all of this, but he can. And I have to lay that at his feet. And that for me, that reminder was that I can't do this all. And when I want to, or when I do, it's going to be a place of fear, a place of stress, and a place of feeling like a failure as a mom. And his reminder in the Psalms is that he is the protection. He is the deliverer. He is the stronghold, not me. And yeah. it was really freeing for me yesterday. I have to tell myself it every single day as they are going out to places where I have no control over what they're seeing or what they're doing. He's reminding me of that every single day now that he is the one that's going to protect them. And we just have to place them in his hands and he's going to take care of that. You know, if I could just kind of say something to that, the whole fear, you know, mamas, we fear, we have our own personal fears that our children, the precious children that we have invested so much in that the enemy is going to come and whisper in their ear and lead them away. And that is a valid fear. And I, I, I mean, my children are all adults now, and I still, I'm still praying protection of them. I'm still reminding myself of Isaiah 41.10 that, you know, fear not for I am with you. But we have to also re remember that while our children are in this season, they're in the murky, mysterious, marvelous middle school years, that they are also afraid. 
they're afraid of the unknown, just like we're afraid of the unknown. And we, when we kind of step back and realize, yeah, we're dealing with our own personal fears, but we also have to help our children walk through the fears that they are, you know, bouncing around between their ears that maybe they're afraid to say out loud for various reasons. Um, and so we have to tackle this on two fronts, dealing with our own, but then helping our children learn to manage their own fear and how to, Brooke, I love what you said about taking God's word and making those the last words kind of that you speak besides that, yeah, I love you, um, over your children, because we're giving them the tools they need that'll be percolating around in their brain all day when, let's say something does, they do hear something that is counterculture to what you've been teaching, the values, um, the faith that you've instilled in them the character qualities, you know, they're maybe tempted to cheat on a test or, you know, maybe whisper a little something, something about another person. But those words of truth that you have planted, those little seeds is really all they are. They're seeds that you're planting in their mind. And that comes back um, throughout the day. And God uses that in a powerful way. So we have to remember that's also part of celebrating these teen years is you're planting seeds of possibilities in their mind that you have no control of when that seed's going to crack open and start to grow. Um, and you have to remember that in our prayers for our children, that though we scatter the seed, right, we're, we're scattering the seed, the enemy does come along and pluck it up. And we want to be careful and be praying for our kids that that seed that we plant, the ideas, the truths that we're, we're sharing with our children, that the enemy will not be able to pluck those seeds up, that God will allow those seeds to take firm root into their heart and soul. And when the battle comes, because it's a spiritual battle, right? It's not, it's not between teachers. It's not between society or culture. It's a spiritual battle that we have going on, and it is going on within the church. It's going on within our culture and our classrooms and television everywhere. But we have to remember that the that our the prayers of an effective mother are the prayers of a righteous mother are powerful and effective, and we have to keep coming back to that uh, when we are sharing those truths. That if our children don't manifest that truth now, it's still there. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Yes. All right. Well, sorry, I went off a little caveat there. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's awesome. That's exactly what we're about here. I mean, it's million praying moms, so that's what it's all about. Yeah. I want to touch on something you said a little bit earlier. Um, the teenage years are known for being that time where our children develop their own ideas and ways of seeing the world. You know, you talked about changing from children to adults, and they have to develop their own ideas during that time. And in an effort to keep our kids safe, to be their own protectors in this time of development and ex exploration, a lot of parents pull in the reins or make the rules more strict. But you don't necessarily advocate for that as the best way to keep relationship with your teens during these years. And you touched about this on this a little bit already, but why is this relationship with them so important? Let's talk about that part. Well, you're not doing parent, you're not parenting just for the short game. You're not parenting just toddlers. You're not parenting just uh, middle schoolers, just middle schoolers or high schoolers. I want parents to get a vision of what those relationships can look like when that tassel is turned or that child goes off to college or that child moves out. I don't want, I so badly want moms to, and dads to understand that, um, you know, we want our kids to call us and say, hey, when's Thanksgiving dinner? What time do I need to be there and what should I bring? Instead of, you are coming, aren't you? Who wants that? Nobody, no mother ever. We want our kids to want to do life with us. So in the book, I talk about the vision that my husband and I had. Um, and, and the main thing I want parents to do is get a vision for your family when your kids don't have to be there, when you're not actively parenting them. You move in different seasons of, of your parenting. And in the teen, and well, in the tween years, they're starting to form their thoughts, opinions, and they're easily um, swayed uh, because their hormones are changing, physiological, neurological, everything's happening inside those precious little bodies. Uh, but as they move into the teen years and they're getting more of who they are, they're starting to learn of 
They're engineered by God a certain way. And so I talk about understanding their world and understanding your child. I talk about changing your parenting style. It's okay to adjust as your child grows, as your teen changes, your parenting style has to adjust. And that does not mean you're a wimpy parent. It doesn't mean that you're inconsistent. It means that you are paying attention and that you know the condition of your flock. You've got to know the condition of your flock. And in order for that to happen, you have got to spend time because in Proverbs 4.23, out of the heart flow the issues of life. If you are paying attention to the words your children are saying, the body language, the body language that they're communicating to you, the way they describe other kids, you're tucking all that knowledge away in your heart. God, that is, they're giving you a peek into what's going on in their heart. And when you know the condition of your heart, then you're able to focus on the relationship. You're able to say words that come out of your mouth. So I talk about this in monitoring your mouth. You're able to take the words of your mouth and let them fall into a tender place of their heart. Why does that matter? Because when your words land into a soft spot of their heart, because you know that child, you know the grid they're going to hear those words from. That is so powerful. Because what you say to one child is not, y'all have more than one child, so you know what you say, each child hears a little differently. Well, that's the same way with every child. So when mom and dad, when we start to realize that how we speak, the way that we speak, knowing that we can adjust, knowing that we've got to master the art of the, the pivot, knowing that those children are just trying to become the person God has made them to become. And when we focus on the relationship, we, we are really solidifying and shoring up something that will last, something that will stand the test of all the trials that, that will come our way, because it's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. They're going to bump and stumble and pitfall. And you know what? We're going to do the same thing. But when we focus on the real, we focus on the relationship, we're really going after the heart. When we focus on that relationship, we maximize our influence. When we have that influence, we're able to shape, form, and fashion that child uh, into the person God has, has made us to be because he has put us as the authority over our child. So I hope that makes sense. But that's why the relationship is so important. If you have a relationship, if you're monitoring your mouth, if you know your child, if you're willing to adjust and kind of step back and say, you know, this is really a responsible child. This child really doesn't give me much, much problems. They're pretty compliant. And all they're asking for is an extra 15 minutes, or maybe they're asking for, you know, some specific thing. Um, I think I could give on that because I'm really going after a place of influence that's come, that comes by way of relationship, which comes by way of trust. I really love what you said there about knowing the condition of your flock and paying attention. Even as you were saying that, I was just thinking of an issue that we went through with one of our kids recently, and it stirred up in my head some possible warning signs that things that he might have said earlier in the year that could have pointed to this happening. And um, it just makes me think, you know, Brooke and I advocate for this all the time about being students of your children. But sometimes it's things that we wouldn't notice without the Lord's help. And so just to be praying for God to keep your eyes and ears open for those warning signs, because it's not, we're not going to catch everything. We are not God, <laughs> we, you know, and our kids can hide things and mask things really well. But just to be praying for the Lord's help in seeing and hearing and knowing what we need to know um, beyond what is humanly possible of ourselves. Yeah. And that goes beyond just being a student of them, but being a student of listening to God when he's giving you a nudge, something's not right here. Maybe check on them a little bit more before something else develops. And I think that's so important. It's another level of being a student of your child. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. Oh, I'm sorry, Brooke. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You know, it just made me think about something, Aaron. Um, I, 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 uh, communication is my thing. And I just remember always telling my kids, Hey, you know, things done in secret will be brought to the light. And you know, I, you can do all this stuff, sweetie. And I will never know. I really will never know. I don't have eyes in the back of my head. You used to think I did when you were little, but I don't, but I have a holy God who sees and knows everything. And while you may get away with it for me or dad, 
You may hide it from the family. You will not be able to hide it from God. And at a time, God will shine a light. And what light do you, what do you want when God shines that light? Um, what, what relationship, what um, reputation, how are you being an ambassador for the Lord? So when, you, when we take the whole, Aaron, and kind of like playing off of what you said, when we transition, that's part of growing up, right? We're transitioning. We're putting responsibility on them instead of us talking at them. We're talking to them and we're saying, hey, listen, right now you're under the protection of mom and dad. If you are wise, you will, you will stay under that protection. You will honor your father and mother. You will obey your parents in all things because it comes with a promise. When, when we have taught them that, we still know they're little humans and these little humans have a sin nature. And I know our world really doesn't like to talk about a sin nature anymore, but you know, God talks about it. Therefore we have to talk about it. And, and Aaron, like you said, when we pray a hedge of thorns over, when we pray or what I always did was pray a hedge of thorns and a wall of protection around my children, because I knew the enemy was out there and he wanted to devour my children. He wanted to put wedges between our relationship. He wanted to divide our family because all he needs is a crack. He doesn't need a hole. He just needs a crack and he can just put a little wedge in that. And that wedge could be a word spoken at a, at a, a an unkind word, um, not knowing our children, not knowing what's going on in the heart of our child, um, us being so distracted by the cares of our lives, you know, because life is hard for us. Let's just face it. Marriage is challenging. Uh, working is challenging. Raising children are challenging. Dealing with our parents is a challenge. And, everything's a challenge and we can ourselves as moms get so distracted that we're not attentive. But Aaron, like you said, that God is. And when our kids know God is watching you and there will be a time you will stand before the Lord and you will give an account. Now people have often asked me, I know we're going to close the segment up, but people have often asked me, Connie, because you wrote this book about it, were your kids all perfect? <laughs> and I like, no, I just have to giggle because um, I, I was doing an interview, a television interview, and she said, did any of your children ever rebel? And I just laughed. I'm like, yes, but it was, it was how the rebellion was. It was the length of the rebellion. It was, was it a full out uh, a resistance or was it just a, listen, I'm just asking for a little more freedom. I'm just asking, can you just lighten up a little bit? Can you allow me to show you that I am becoming the person God. And, and if I fail, mom and dad, if I fail, okay, let's just talk about this again. But we've got to start that transferring process from us being the one who we think we're in control, which is a myth. It's just flat out a myth to we are guiding them. We are guiding them on a path. It's much more desirable for a teenager or a tween or even a nine and 10 year old when they realize we're guiding them along this path, we're shining a light because we know them intently. We know how they're formed and wired and fashioned. Uh, we understand that there's certain things that they may not like because they didn't get to choose their parents. They didn't get to choose their school. They didn't get to choose their zip code. They don't get to choose their birth order. They don't get to choose their siblings. They don't get to choose, you know, what the plans are going to be. They didn't make the rules and they don't make the choices. There's a lot of things that they um, don't have any say over that as they grow up, they, they want to have input on. So when we talk about, you know, trying to let them grow up and pulling the reins in and letting the reins go, it is so individual that that is why when we are before the Lord and we're saying, God, I need you to help me to raise this particular child, this one. Not my compliant child, you know, my artist child, my, my artist child that doesn't a box? Are you kidding? Put me in a box. I'll die. No, I want to live my life outside of a box. Okay. How do, how do I raise that child? How do I raise this engineering child? How do I raise this, you know, world child that's going to conquer the world and who, who, if I say the sky is blue, they say, no, it isn't. It's kind of gray today. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I just want parents to realize it's a beautiful dance. And as we are taking a step forward and we are moving along, God orchestrates it. We lead, they follow. Sometimes they lead, we follow. And that's the beauty of building a relationship. I love that. So let's camp there just for a second and talk about those relationships. What are the biggest challenges that we face as parents to developing and keeping relationship with our teenagers? Not listening to them. That is the biggest. 
not listening to the spoken word and the unspoken word, the body language, the eye roll, the crossed arms, the slouching, um, the not looking you in the eye, and they don't have to look you in the eye every second. That's not what I'm saying. Listening is probably one of the fastest ways we can hurt the relationship uh, along with monitoring your mouth. So if we are intent, uh, uh, you talk about, yeah, if we are intent on um, facing these challenges, I know people talk about, well, the internet is dangerous. Yes, the internet is dangerous. And I talk, I have a whole chapter on, you know, what do we do with the internet? But when we are listening, we're picking up on that stuff. And when we realize that our children are watching us, they're watching us, they're watching to see Brooke, do, do what we say, does that match how we're actually living? A am I being kind um, to the people inside my family? Or just do I put on my public face and I'm spiritual and wonderful and kind and everything's glorious and their kids are like, no, it's not. Um, I've, I've had some hard conversations with folks that, you know, disillusionment. Uh, they thought things were going to be a certain way and they're not and, and the parents are disillusioned. Um, but so the biggest challenges that we have got to do is we want to keep the heart of our child. We've got to listen. We've got to listen to the words they're saying that they think we don't listen to. You know, when they're describing how a sibling is really irritating them, are we hearing the reason behind it? Is there a need for space that isn't being respected? Is there a need for understanding? Is there a relational need? Is there an emotional need? Um, and then in a quiet spot, away from everybody, dive deep with that child. Just ask a few probing questions. So um, those are some of the biggest challenges. The internet is a, is a big one. Um, I know I'm looking at our clock here and I wanna be careful of that, but um, when, you, when you actively, when your child knows that you, you are their biggest cheerleader, you are the one that is going to be standing there, cheering them on, giving them a cup of cold water, cleaning up the boo-boos that they have, uh, you know, putting some band-aids and neosporin on the wounds metaphorically. When they know that, and they know that we are listening to the heart and the word, the meaning behind the words, when they know that we're intentional about how we say certain phrases, because we know if we say, go clean your room in a certain tone to a certain child, we're going to insinuate that they're irresponsible, but maybe they have the gift of responsibility and all of a sudden they're wounded and offended because you no longer see them as a responsible person. So I hope that's making sense. Um, I tried to touch on several different areas, but listening is, far more, is by far the hardest, most um, time consuming thing that we have to do. Uh, we can't short circuit this process and we've got to monitor our mouth. Yeah, that is that is really important. And I like that you touched that listening is not just um, listening to their words. It's also watching. And that's really important. So in chapter six of your book, you talk a lot about understanding their world. And we hear from a lot of moms who tell us that this might be the hardest part of parenting. Um, like, everything's different from our childhood to their childhood. And maybe that's true of every generation, but I feel like technology has significantly changed the way our children interact with us and with their friends. So give our listeners some practical steps they can take to try to bridge this gap where they don't understand the world that their children are living in. Yeah, that's a, you are, you are dead on with the whole internet. It is a game changer in many ways. There are a lot of bad actors. Um, parents are often surprised when I talk uh, technology in the way that I do. I say technology is neutral. There is nothing wrong with technology. It's what allows you to reach millions of mothers. Um, it's what God has given you the vehicle to be able to shape, form, and impact so many lives. So technology is neutral. Um, the internet isn't safe. So I start with that premise always. Technology is neutral. The internet isn't safe. What do we do about it? Well, we help our children find something they're passionate about. I don't, I do not say stay away from it. There are elements that I do say stay away from, but primarily I focus on teach your children how to create a positive social footprint. We know that over 50% of colleges and we know that all employers do a social media check 
to find out what your child is into and they can go back, you know, Snapchat. I love how they've, you know, branded themselves 24 hours and poof, it magically disappears. It only magically disappears on your child's phone because somebody else has screenshotted it and it is going to come up at an inappropriate time. But about uh, when social media was first coming out, um, I, my first child was, uh, it's kind of how I found out about it because he had an account and I'm like, what is this? And he started telling me about Facebook and I said, I'd already had Twitter and all the other things. And I was just really big on telling parents, we've got to try to stay one step ahead of our children in understanding the impact. We are not going to stay one step ahead of our kids and technologies. They, they just get it. Their brains are being wired different than our brains are. If you're under 34 years old, you know, you've kind of grown up with it. If you're over 34 years old, you're trying to catch up because it happens like a tsunami. So I tell parents, you know, tell your children, teach them how to create a positive social footprint. And what do I mean by that? Let's say your kid's really interested in saving animals, animal rescue, or they want to create awareness for the pug society, or they want to create awareness for the job that Red Cross does, or wounded warriors, or something that strikes, again, their passion, their heartbeat, their, where they um, know they would like to spend some time and energy. And the important part about that is when my girls were younger, I wanted them to, they wanted to find and create awareness for uh, human trafficking. So what we did is I had them use the internet and use their voice, use their platform to shine a spotlight on something that would create awareness. So that's like the positive social footprint um, that I'm talking about. Teach them how to use it responsibly. Teach them that their voice does matter. They can have an impact. They can shine a light on missionaries. They can shine a light on uh, creating awareness for um, countries that are abusing or Christianity, Christians that are being persecuted, whatever it is. Um, but when they realize that mom and dad, I know you don't get how to do code. I know you don't understand how all these platforms work and how the, the dark side or the, the dark side of, of uh, the internet. But when they see that you're invested in helping them learn how to navigate this without being destroyed in the process, without finding those clicks and to, to links that end up in chat rooms they shouldn't be in or sites they shouldn't be exposed to, then all of a sudden they start thinking, you're actually for me. You're not, you're not against me. You're not saying no to everything. I'm saying, no, we want to learn how to use this together. I'll help you walk through this thing. Um, and then I'm going to trust you. So trust is given when trust is earned. I mean, I trust you. So unless you do something that causes me to not trust you, um, then we're going to assume that you are doing what we have ta taught you to do and that you are learning how to manage it. And if at any time uh, we discover something that you shouldn't have done, then there's going to be a consequence for that. Again, there are consequences. But the, to answer your question, that's kind of what I do is I don't run away from it. I teach them how to take the simple steps of I want to create, I want to make a difference. This generation, Aaron and Brooke, they want to make a difference. They want to know that their time matters. And if we can show them how to make that matter in a positive way, they're drawn to us. I love that. I, I really do believe there is something about not trying to remove it completely from their lives because there is going to come a point when we can't control that anymore. It, technology is going to be a part of their future. It just is. There's no way. I mean, you know, my son is going to get a computer at school next year. He's going to have his own computer that he can take back and forth from school in school next year. So it is coming most definitely. So it's important for us, I think, as you said, to stay ahead on the impact and we have to help them understand how to use it in a positive way while they're in our homes and under our influence. So Connie, you know that our focus here at Million Praying Moms is helping moms understand how to pray for their kids. It's making it so that prayer is not something we see as a last resort but as something that is our first and best response. And so we'd like to apply that concept to raising teenagers. What are some of the key things that parents need to be praying for their teenagers when they're in that season of life? Um, I, we talked about some of them, you know, that we are, that we 
we as a parent know the condition of our heart. So we want to ask God to give us that wisdom and discernment to know what's going on in the heart and mind of our child. But for our children, we need to remind them that they are in a spiritual battle, that they are going to be attacked. They are going to be mocked. They're going to be marginalized, but that God will not be mocked. Um, and we want to pray for that. We want to do Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. just so some references that folks can return to Proverbs 29, 17. 1 Timothy 5, 8, when we know, and of course, Isaiah, um, I referenced that early on, um, and the verse about knowing the issues uh, flow out of your, excuse me, out of the heart flow the issues of life, Proverbs 4, 23. When we stop and we pray for those things with our children and we teach our children to arm themselves with the truths of God's word, and we teach them and realize that this is not home, this is, we are to be a, a light in a dark place. When we teach our children and they know that we are praying over them, that the angels are camped around about them, that they know there is power that they can draw from, that it, the word of God is not just a book with words in it that they read a chapter book at school. It is a powerful, it's living Hebrews 4.12, you know, it's powerful and active. Um, that it is able to discern the thoughts and intentions, um, that our kids can start to learn the thoughts and intentions. So I kind of come at it, Brooke, I'm trying to throw these different verses at you where there's things that we pray for for our child, but then there's things we teach our children to pray for for themselves. And that is the part that we've got to do in in unison, so to speak, because we're praying for safety and protection of them. Like you mentioned, Lamentations 333, we're praying for them. And then we need to teach them how to pray for themselves. We need to teach them how to pick up the word of God, how to rightly divide the truth. We need to teach them how to put on the word of God, the full armor of God, the armor up every day that they get up and they've got to be, they've got to uh, take up the shield of faith. They've got to pick up the sword. They've got to, in, um, um, fill their mind and grab their mind with the word so that when untruth hits them, they're able to discern it and they're able to put it in the right place. That's perfect. That's so great. And I love that focus, like because we're giving them freedom and helping them move towards adulthood, it's not going to all just be us praying for them. We do have to encourage them more, even more in making it their own and in praying for themselves and for fighting that spiritual battle alongside of us. And we want that from the beginning, but even more so as they're less and less under our roof and they're out in the world more. And that's a really great reminder. So Connie, we always like to wrap up our shows by asking our guests to share one verse or passage of the Bible that they are currently praying for their children and you have adult children. So this may look different than what some of us are praying for the children in our homes and stuff, but it might not, it might not look different. Like you said, the focus is on raising a child all the way through, not just one stage, but what is a verse that you are praying for your kids right now? Um, I, when we talked about that and I saw the show notes, I thought, boy, I could just take a while because I have a prayer journal that I keep and I would say to your guests, keep a, keep a journal. I know you have your prayer journal, but I write down specifically what's going on in my heart, uh, my kid's heart. So specifically, I pray for my one child, one of my children to have discernment over what path God has for him because he's, he's kind of figuring out who am I and what am I doing? So I specifically pray that the God gives him insights and wisdom into the God and to the person that he has been made to be each one of my children, Aaron, and I, I know we're short on time, but each one of my children is in a different place and a different struggle with different circumstances. And I pray specifically, but the one thing that I do do is I send it to them. I text them, even my, I have a 32, a 31, a 28, a 26, and a 25-year-old, and I still send them verses as they're struggling. Like, as we close up, I'll give you my 20, my 28 called me um, and said, okay, I'm really wrestling with something. And this will surmise the whole purpose of what I want parents to see when we go beyond the rules. She's really struggling with some issues of anxiety of what do I do next? What do I do next? She's been married for about six or seven months. And she's like, what do I do with this and this and this? And I had to go back and remind her, God did not give you the spirit of anxiety or fear. God has given you a spirit of sound mind. I want you to realize that when this comes, 
when you start to wrestle with what am I doing? Am I making the wrong decision that you fall back to? God has you right here, right now for this season, for this purpose. You have got to fill your mind. You've got to take control of that thought and say, God has not given me the spirit of fear or anxiety. So I do that with every single one of my children because I still know the condition of their flock. I could tell you with each child where they're wrestling with a specific issue, whether it's professionally, personally, or spiritually. And I send them verses that fit their needs so that lands in the tender part of their heart. I love that so much, Connie. I've, I've done something similar. You know, that's one of the things I've said. Our oldest now has a, a phone and I have really enjoyed him having a phone. And we had things, you know, that he had to accomplish before he could do it. We have a contract in place that he has to, you know, uphold in order for him to be able to keep it. But I have really enjoyed him being able to text me and say, hey, mom, this is what's going on. And then I can send him a quick text back with a, a written prayer or a word of encouragement or something like that. So we can use technology. Like it's not, yes. it doesn't have to be terrible. We can use it to benefit our kids. And I love that so much. Connie, thank you again for joining us today. Tell our listeners before you go a little bit about where they can learn more about you. Yes. Thank you so much. So you can find me at ConnieAlbers.com. Uh, I have a private Facebook group called Parenting Beyond the Rules that they can join or they can find me currently on Facebook on my page, ConnieAlbers.author. And Erin, I'm with you on Instagram. I love Instagram. So it's ConnieAlbers on Instagram. Um, Same with Pinterest. So I'm pretty much where all the places uh, for social media connecting are. I think it's powerful. And I would love to connect with the listeners. And I'm just honored, you guys. Thanks for letting me write for you and encourage and equip your moms that are in the trenches, I want them to get a picture of what life can be when they're no longer having to lay down the law and deliver consequences, that it can really be a beautiful picture of relationships, of, of having children that aren't religious, but have a relationship with a living God. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Connie. Well, that's it for today, friends. As always, you can find any specifics from our show in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com, including a link to Connie's book, Parenting Beyond the Rules, Raising Teens with Confidence and Joy. Tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind Podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind Podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 